Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to the ACCP Resident and Fellowship Podcast, a podcast for residents by residents. My name is Hiba Idris, and I'm a PGY1 pharmacy resident at the University of Arizona Banner University Medical Center. We'll be joined today by Dr. Brian Erstad, the department head at the University of Arizona College of Pharmacy and ACCP president-elect. Today, we'll be discussing how to stay current with the literature. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Erstad. Thank you for inviting me. We'll just start out by saying pharmacy is a field that requires you to constantly learn and keep up with the new information. And there's always new drugs and studies and guidelines that come out. Postgraduates may struggle with staying current with the literature, especially when they're transitioning from student to a practitioner. And we always strive to be lifelong learners. So what are some general ways to stay current with the literature? Well, let me start with some overarching comments. In some ways, it's easier. In some ways, it's harder to to stay current with the literature compared to when I was younger. In 1976, my first year of practice, I I did a PubMed search using the terms critical care, and I got 145 citations for English and human. So in those days, the way I kept up with the literature was I'd walk over to the library and basically go through the journal shelves. I actually had a routine where the new journals would be posted a couple times during the week. And so once a week, I would trek over to the library, and usually over the noon hour, I would go and I would basically look at all of the tables of contents of the various journals. And that's how I kept up because that was pre-internet and pre-all this electronic access to the literature. Obviously, access to the literature is now much easier. So that's the good news. However, I used that same PubMed search uh, using the terms critical care that I talked about earlier that yielded 145 citations. And last week, it yielded over 163,000 citations. So that's sort of the bad news nowadays is that we are, in fact, overwhelmed with literature. And But I will say one thing that should make you feel a little better about it, especially if you're a a resident, a new practitioner, or or really any trainee, is that it's easier to keep up once you begin to specialize and and when you don't feel obligated to basically keep up with all of the literature concerning uh, medications. And, And realize that every pharmacist specializes to some degree you know, even if it's as simple as, as the community versus hospital, uh, but but um, so everybody in a way is is uh, specializing. Uh, if I can digress a little bit more, be a little more specific, I would encourage you to to ask advice from a medical librarian at University of Arizona. Here we actually have an in-house medical librarian, and and often that person can give you some some very good advice as to keeping up with the literature. Things like rounding and discussions with other cl- clinicians are other things you can do. Attending professional meetings, um, you can sometimes hear uh, research that has yet to be published. Um, I've had some of that, some uh, very important studies that I've heard in my career, and it's kind of exciting to hear them before they're actually in the published uh, literature. And then obviously go to the primary literature, the secondary tertiary literature. Um, there's now push news services um, and various apps, uh, social media, podcasts, videos, etc. that are out there. So 163,000 citations, it's kind of overwhelming and just in critical care. And it seems like there are so many ways to stay up to date. And so how do you as a clinician practitioner prefer staying current with the literature? And what are some specific services or resources that you have used to help you in your career? Yeah, I'll talk, I start with some of the more general approaches that I've used. And then I'll talk about some of the more specific approaches. And later, if we have time, I'll even detail more specifically how I'm keeping up nowadays because it has changed over my career. But back to the, the general ways to keep up. Um, one that uh, some of you may not uh, be aware that's out there, but that's through PubMed alerts, where you may feel you may do searches of PubMed, and, and you know I suspect you do those quite often. 
but you can also have uh, alerts that are kicked out to you on on topics of particular interest for you. And again, especially as, as you become more of a specialist, uh, then you can have certain things that are automatically uh, um, uh, downloaded for you and, and ready for your view. But another very common way of keeping up with the literature nowadays that, that I'm using is using electronic table of contents. These are referred to ETOCs uh, for, by an abbreviation. And basically, these electronic table of contents, these are things where for a lot of the, the journals, uh, they will if you sign up, they will basically push out their table of contents. Uh, if it's a monthly journal, then on a monthly basis. And so uh, as an example, in my area of critical care, I'll basically take the leading critical care journals as well as the, ma the major high impact journals, things like New England Journal of Medicine, JAMA, and I'll basically have those electronic table of contents pushed out to me uh, to my to an email address. Uh, there's also various other electronic, what used to be paper uh, sources, now they're electronic, things like the medical letter, the pharmacist letter, there's again, journal watches, podcasts. Another one that, uh, again, may not be on some folks' radar screen are the, are the minutes from the FDA advisory committee meetings. Um, several years ago, um, I had, uh, I was on an, actually an FDA advisory committee. It was the drug safety and, and risk management committee and uh, as that name implies we were looking at, at drug safety and um, those meetings to me were extremely informative um, they're really cutting edge what's happening right now with particular drugs and those are actually all published online after the fact so they announce when the meetings are going to occur and then they publish them afterwards and uh, this has allowed me and when I walked out of those meetings I felt like I really was was very current with what was happening in a given area and again as a but anyone can track down those those committee meetings and and read the uh, uh, what happened during them and read the discussions etc uh, like I say I was actually very lucky to be involved in in uh, for instance some of the uh, the labeling for NSAIDs for with regards to cardiovascular safety and so some pretty exciting things that it, that I won't digress and talk more about at this time but I think you can see there there are some ways to keep up with the literature that uh, folks may not be thinking of right off the bat also realize for more specifically there's listservs like the ACCP listservs uh, you know I'm a member of the ACCP critical care PRN and and so that's a very active listserv and uh, probably the most active listserv when it comes to critical care topics. There's key articles and guidelines that you can look at. Some have been published. I know myself, I've published key articles and guideline papers in the past. Another example in my area would be the Society of Critical Care Medicine. It's, there's a section on clinical pharmacy and pharmacology. They push out updates with regards to critical care. And then sometimes there's unpublished sources, uh, like there's a board member I work with right now I've, on the Board of Regents of ACCP, and, and he, in his area, actually pushes out a review of, of key articles that have occurred, and it just goes out to his friends and other folks that are interested. We all know that post-grad training involves a lot of um, exponential learning and working in a demanding environment. So what advice do you have for these post-grads in making learning a priority? And what advice do you have for compiling the information when you know they're looking, uh, searching for things and using all these different resources that can be sometimes overwhelming? Well, I'd start by saying that, you know, you as an individual, you have to make learning a priority and hopefully you're motivated, you know, by a really a caring desire to help others and along with an intellectual curiosity. 
one of my pieces of advice would be to hang around with other clinicians who have a love of learning. I know I've had points in my careers where I, where I hung around with pharmacists who were very negative and who didn't keep up with the literature, and I'd find myself tending to get dragged down um, and, and start talking kind of negative myself. And so to me, one of the things that helps maintain my enthusiasm, my motivation, is to be around others who really have this love of learning. You know, obviously, you can talk to your patients, your relatives, colleagues about medications. And if that, you know, doesn't make learning a priority, you know, then I guess I'd say consider the alternative of not staying current. And then I'd also say for compiling information, you know, nowadays, I'd definitely say to keep electronic files with multiple subfiles using some type of format that's that's good for you. You can either keep it on your personal computer with appropriate backup. You could have memory sticks, cloud storage. But I, that's one thing, again, that has become much easier nowadays versus uh, an old dog like me where I basically had to do things by print and I'd have multiple file cabinets with all sorts of articles. My last question is, talking about all the resources that you've used, how can postgraduates facilitate this new knowledge that they've gained from the literature in their practice sites? And could you give us some examples of how maybe you've done this in your career? Well, pharmacists have always had to make evidence-based recommendations in the clinical setting, and this really forces uh, you to stay current. Um, I think this is something that my entire career, I've never been able to get away with saying, well, in my experience, uh, typically whenever I'm making a recommendation, it has to be based on evidence. And so in a way that is forcing you to keep up with the literature. So for trainees, for sure, I'd take advantage of, of listserv. Um, I would focus, one of the things I'd probably recommend is focusing on the new literature relative to whatever rotation you're on, or if you're on a cert, at a certain practice site. In other words, if you're on a cardiology rotation, well, that's a good time then to you know, ask your preceptor, what are the key articles and guidelines relative to cardiology, rather than, for instance, on that cardiology rotation, then trying to look at the key articles related to cancer, et cetera. In other words, take advantage of that rotation you're on. Obviously, as I said earlier, involving yourself in discussions with clinicians. You know, an example that we do here is, is referred to as Ersted Hour. Obviously, it was named after me, but this is one where we have uh, twice weekly meetings where we basically go over a lot of, of key articles and guidelines and especially some of the more current literature. Uh, the residents, my the specialty residents in critical care and emergency medicine, I let them coordinate that. And then I attend again to give my comments. And as well as some of the other preceptors uh, also uh, attend that Ersted Hour. So it's more than just a journal club, but one of the ways of keeping up would basically be through uh, through journal club type meetings. And I guess this is where I'd basically say, here's, I'd let you know some ways I stay current and some are feasible for new relatively new practitioners and some aren't, but it might give you a feel for how things have changed over my career. Well, one thing that is feasible that I still use to, to stay current are these electronic table of contents. So that's something, again, that everybody uh, can do, including new practitioners, and I continue to do that. However, I've got a few things that I realized when I was preparing for this for this podcast that things that I, I take advantage of that can be a little more difficult for people with less experience who haven't been around for quite a while. Uh, as an example, I'm involved in formulary decisions and economic events evaluations for our medical center. And so obviously when you're involved in those kinds of decisions, you have to be familiar with the most current literature in that area. And so in essence, that's sort of forcing me to 
keep up and going back to the literature. Also, I'm involved in, in clinical practice guidelines and consensus panels. And I mean, when you're dealing with clinical practice guidelines, back to, again, you're having a lot of literature being pulled and you're having to review that literature and making sure that it's all current literature. Um, I'm an exam writer for different organizations. I've written exams for, for uh, physician fellows, uh, for, for pharmacists. I, I was on the first uh, critical care council for BPS, where we wrote the initial exams for, for critical care. And so that's another way that, that basically I'm, you know, for, sort of forcing me to stay current and, and seeing new literature. Attending professional meetings. A lot of the new, liter new literature, I, I first hear about it at uh, through research or organizational kind of meetings. And then finally now, discussions with colleagues um, uh, out, you know, side of the local level here, just people that I know at the national level and who are often the experts who are involved in writing a lot of these guidelines, et cetera. And so just through conversations with them, in essence, that's helping me to stay current. So that'll give you a flavor for as you get more experience, some of the sorts of ways that allow you to keep current that other than through the, the more typical ways of electronic table of con contents, podcasts, those kinds of things. Well, thank you, Dr. Erstad, for joining us today and sharing your career advice. Um, and we look forward to your continued leadership with ACCP. Uh, for our listeners, we'd love to hear about how you stay current with the literature, uh, what strategies have or haven't worked for you. Also, if you refer to the accp.com slash Resvel newsletter, there's also an article that's written by Dr. Stuart Haynes, uh, what is your strategy for keeping up with the primary literature? So thank you for listening to this month's uh, episode of the ACCP. Resident and Fellowship Podcast, a podcast for residents by residents. For more episodes and other resident and fellow resources, please visit our website at www.accp.com slash resfell. Thank you. Thank you for listening to an ACCP podcast for residents by residents. Our theme music is titled Jupiter's Smile, by the 126ers and is provided through YouTube's free audio library. Please subscribe to the ACCP podcast on iTunes or Google Play to be notified of new episodes.